Okay, guys, before we start this year, Rev. David suggested that I say something very brief about what's going on in America, so I'll say something very brief. Just, um, I think, you know, when we look at the outside world, sometimes it's a good model of what to follow, and sometimes it's a precisely the model we should avoid. So, uh, clearly, we live at a time of great, you know, uh, political disagreement. I guess every time is like that. Although things seem to have gotten more extreme in terms of the ability of the two sides to, like, see the other side as having anything positive possible to say. And there's a sense that, you know, for one side, the other side is the destruction of Western civilization and vice versa. But I think one thing that's clear is that, uh, you know, the potential for solving things through violence or civil war is more dangerous than either side reaching power. And the uh, mark of a healthy society is that even when you think someone's wrong, if that's what the people voted for, then they, they take over. You're not trying to solve it with a military coup. I read something recently I thought was very good. Uh, a guy named Yari Shelig wrote in Makari Shon that there were two key moments of Israeli democracy. I'm actually going to say three, but he said two. And he said the two key moments is when power shifted successfully. So some of you may know that the left was pretty much in power from 1948 to 1977. And 1977 was the first time a right-wing party won the Israeli elections. Who was the prime minister, guys? Excellent. You, excellent, guys. Menachem Begin. So Yair Shilks said the first key moment in Israeli democracy was when the left proved they could give up power. And Begin became the prime minister. And then he said the second key moment was the early 90s when the left went back into power, the Rabin. And he said, and then the right showed that they could give up power too, even if they thought it was a disaster. And he said, those two moments are what preserves our country and our government. I'm just getting a third moment, some of you may know. Before we had a state in 47, when there were different underground groups, so famously, you know, Ben-Gurion wanted to be all organized, and uh, Begin's group came with a shipment of arms on a ship called the Altalena, and uh, there was a question, are they going to give up their arms to the larger group? And believe it or not, uh, the majority group fired on the Altalena, and here's one of the most heroic things in the 20th century, Begin told his men not to fire back, because he said the, the worst thing that could happen is that there would be a civil war. I think it perhaps is... Maybe you know, Begin serves well Muhammad just for that act. It could be we, we are all sitting here today because Begin made that decision. Like imagine if we had to fight the Arab countries in 48 while we were fighting each other. We already know that's a model that doesn't work. Right? We tried that in Bayat Cheney and it's a very unsuccessful model. Okay, so I think uh, when we look at what's happening in America today, perhaps it's a, uh, a good message for us right here. We have uh, very sharp disagreements in Israel and that's justified. No reason can have strong disagreements. But realize if one group tries to solve it through arms or violence or aggression, and we raise the specter of a civil war, ultimately I think that is the most dangerous path to possibly take. Okay? Uh, with that, we're not going to go to Shir College. Okay. Now, I have to thank uh, Joshua and Ilan Cohn for this, because it's certainly not a topic I really imagine investigating, but because I'm learning Ravadio Yosef's trouble with them, I came to this. There's something we see every Friday night, which I admit I never gave it too much thought, but we see that a lot is going on there, much more than we think. Okay, so we have a bracha called bracha achat me'en sheva. Okay, what's bracha achat me'en sheva? So you might have noticed Friday night after we say vayichulu, right, we have this nice song a lot of us like, Mogen Avot Bitvarel. Okay, why is it called bracha achat me'en sheva? Because it's one bracha, but what does it encapsulate? The seven themes of the brachot of the Amidah. I mean, the Friday night Amidah is seven brachot, right? Three of praise, one about Shabbat, and then the three of thanksgiving. And if you just go for the words for one second, think about the words, right? Mogen Avot Bitvarel is obviously... The first bracha, Mechayim Eitim B'mamro, is the second. Hakel Hakadoshin Kamo, Hameniach L'Shabbat B'yom Shabbat, right? Hameniach L'Amo B'yom Shabbat Kacho. Clearly, we're just going through the seven bracha. So that is bracha achat me'en sheva. We're going to try to figure out why we say that and what its parameters are. Okay, that's what we're going to try to figure out. 
Just watch what we're doing there, guys. I can't resist uh, some general Jewish knowledge. There is also a bracha called bracha achat me'en shalosh. What is that? A oh, this is gonna be for Jeopardy. Oh, here we go. Where's Yoni Kurtz? Yoni Kurtz, you here? No. Uh, that is why Josh Shapiro is gonna win in Jeopardy next time. Yoni Kurtz is gonna finish second again. Okay, because he's not here at the key moment. Okay, what is bracha achat me'en shalosh? David Bentor. Okay, good. But what, what bracha is bracha me'en shalosh? You're right. The shalosh would be bracha mazon. Alamichya. Why is Alamichya bracha achat me'en shalosh? Guys, if you look at the words of Alamichya, what is it similarly? It is a synopsis of the first three brachot of Birkat Hamazon. So it's three and one. So if Magin Avod is the Amidah, seven and one. So Alamichya is Birkat Hamazon, three and one. Okay, great. Okay, let us go to... Uh, so we're going to discuss that. Now it comes up in a different context. Okay, the Gemara in Shabbat Chavdal wants to know as follows. Sometimes I do some ritual, I do some halachic principle for reason A, because of day A. Now, it happens to be that it's also a day B at the same time. So should I insert the day B theme? Now, that sounds very abstract. Let me give you a classic example. Let's say Yom Kippur and Shabbos overlap. Very exciting. So I'm saying Ne'ilah. So what could I say? Shabbos has no connection to Ne'ilah. There's no such thing as a Shabbos Ne'ilah. So maybe Ne'ilah is purely a Yom Kippur endeavor. And I wouldn't even talk about Shabbat in the Amidah. Or you could say, no, the fact is it's also Shabbat. Even if Shabbat would normally not generate an Elah, since it's also Shabbat, I should talk about Shabbat in Elah. And you can think of, there are a lot of cases that you could c- come up with a similar case. Okay? So let's see what the Gemara Shabbat says. Dom Yeshu ben Levi, Yom HaKippurim Shechol B'Shabbat, HaMitbal Ne'ilah, Tzorich LaHazkir Shel Shabbat. No, you do mention Shabbat, even though Shabbat would not independently generate an Elah, it deserves mention. Yom HaShinitchai B'Arbet Tfilot. Yom Kippur is the day that you really have an Arbet Tfilot. So yes, it's not counting Marv. It's saying Shachos, Mincha, Mosef, and Ne'ilah. And it's a real Chiyav, and you should insert Shabbos in there. Okay. Says the Gemara, Kasha Hilchata Hilchata, Amar Tehilchata Kod Yeshu Ben Levi, that I should insert Shabbat into Ne'ilah. The Kaimlan Hilchata Karaba, but Rava's going to contradict it. What does Rava say? Dama Rava Yom Tov Shechlod B'Shabbat. Now, let's read very carefully, guys. So it's both Yom Tov and Shabbos. Shliach Tzibah Yorid Lefteva Arvid. When the Shliach Tzibah goes down from Marv, now, what's he talking about? So it seems like he's talking about Maginavot. That's what the Shliach Tzibur does at Mariv. Right, there's no Chazar or Shatz, but he does do Maginavot. And what seems to be the assumption here, guys? So this is quite interesting. Apparently, according to this Gemara, when would you say Maginavot? Shabbat generates Maginavot, but Yom Tov does not. So just like Shabbat doesn't generate the Elon, we can ask the question. Yom Tov does not generate Magen Avot. So what's the question? If it's Shabbat and Yom Tov, would I mention Yom Tov during Magen Avot? And what seems to be the answer? I don't. So the question is, how come Shabbat gets inserted into Ne'ilah, but Yom Tov does not get inserted into Magen Avot? So what does the Gemara say? Hachi Hashta. Hachi Hashta is a great phrase. Remember what I say, guys? You do not need to memorize the Aramaic word for cucumber, but you do need to know words like Hachi Hashta. Uh, luckily, A.B. Hirsch memorized the entire Gemara card. Okay, in between books of the Gospel, he works on the Gemara card. Go ahead, A.B., what do you got? Like, from here, like, from Okay, good. Uh, I'm just going to put that there's just a little simple words. Hachi Hashta always breaks a comparison. You think that's a good comparison? It is not a good comparison. That's what A.B. meant, but I'm just boiling it down a little bit. So what's the claim here, guys? What's the more claim here, guys? That Ne'ilah has a much more significant halachic status than Maginavu. Ne'ilah is a real chiv. 
And since the real Chivit has status, and I'm going to insert Shabbos in there. What's the claim about Mogadabot? Even on Shabbos, you can't really talk about the word Chiyuv. What's the claim? It's just there for? What reason? Some kind of danger. It's some kind of danger solver. It's not really a ritual need. So again, you, that's worthy of its own analysis, um, this difference, but we're going to focus mostly on the Sakana for now. But again, what did Mark claim? That Ne'ila has real status, so we insert Shabbat. Magen Avot does not have real status, it's just a Sakana solver, and therefore there's no need to insert Yom Tov. Okay, so let's just uh, review what we have to figure out now. Why do we say Magen Avot all together? Right? What danger does it solve? And why does that not apply on, notice, we only say it, when do we say Magen Avot? Only on Friday night. So why does it apply other times? Okay, so that is the basic question. So let's start here with Rashi. Let me just give you some heads up, guys. Something dramatic is going to happen later. The Bavli assumes that it's all about Sakana. Let's be open to the possibility that maybe Muganavot is doing some other work. Maybe it has other themes. We'll see shortly some interesting other themes Muganavot might have. But what would be the danger? So let's go to Rashi. Mishum Sakana. Mazikin. What are they, what's the danger? Things that damage you. Now, guys, I'm going to be incredibly tolerant and open-minded here. I'm going to go with both a more mystical approach and a more rational approach to make everybody happy. To make Noah Rice and happy and the rest of these you happy. Okay, here we go. Okay, so, okay, is he here? No, you're here? Okay, great. Okay, guys, for, from a more mystical approach, who might the Mazikin be? Demonic forces are waiting to get you. Okay, from a more rationalistic approach, who might they be? Yeah, muggers, robbers, there are bad guys out there. Okay, but I'm okay, guys. Whichever you want to say works. Okay, so what's the problem with these Mazikin? Ah, apparently in Talmudic times, Shuls were not on Main Street. That's not where Shuls were. The, what was that? The Kol Shar. Although somehow, the Kol Shar Lele Achol Hayasukin B'Malachtan. Oh wait, wait. Before we move on, guys. So what is the point that Shuls are not in the Yishuv? So it's dangerous to walk home. We don't want people to walk home alone. That could be quite dangerous. Someone could mug them on the way home. Right, so therefore, it's quite fascinating. What does it sound like mugging of it is? It's an artificial delaying tactic. It is a delay. Let's say I came late to Shoal, so everybody starts the Amidah three minutes before me. So they're going to go home three minutes before me. I'm going to walk home alone. Ah, but once we throw in mugging of it, I'll finish the Amidah, and I will be able to walk home together with everybody else. Okay, so it sounds like pretty remarkable. What is mugging of it? It really is simply a delaying tactic, so no one has to walk home from Shoal Oh, one second, Josh. What's the obvious question, guys? Wow. Yeah, that could be any day of the year. Like, why is that a... Not just not, why not Yom Tov? Couldn't you also ask, why not? Every night. What about Thursday night? Right, Thursday night, it's okay to walk home? Let me just finish the Rashi, guys. Let's take questions. So Rashi thought of this problem. So Rashi says, What's his claim? Very interesting. Rashi says, you know, maybe in the old days they didn't make it to Shul on the weekday. Right? Maybe it was too late, it was too dark, they didn't have street lights, whatever the case may be. He claims that major Shul attendance was Friday night, not on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday night. And therefore, the only Matake and for Lel Shabbat, I'll take questions in one second, guys. Which questions does this still leave open? Yom Tov night, right? Presumably they were not working on Yom Tov. So Rashi's given us a reason why this was limited to Shabbat and not Chol. But not get a reason why it's not Yom Tov. Okay, Josh Shapiro. Um, I guess this kind of makes sense to say that like, this is a reason for delaying because like, we don't have those extra bracha that we used to say like, uh, like right, right before Shemaster that we would say 
You're saying Berksh Shalom might also be delaying tactic. So, okay, so that's interesting. Okay, what happened to Berksh Shalom is that it's delaying tactic. It's a worthy of its own share, but I'll leave it aside for now. Okay, anybody else? Yeah, Joey. Nice shirt, Joey. Almost as nice as David Bentor. Okay. Okay, it could be. But Farashi says it's all practical. During the week, they did not end up in Shul, and therefore they didn't have this issue. Yeah? Couldn't the Chazan have the same function as the Magin Avot in the sense that uh, the Chazan like, could have the role of like, delaying the prayer itself? What's the, what's the Chazan? I think you're saying you go to Chedish. The Chazan could delay the prayer itself without the Magin Avot. How would he delay it? By just like, waiting for everyone. Ah, why don't we just wait? Yeah. Okay, guys. So I think actually I have a good answer to that, guys. Give me your, if you know anything about. I'm Yisrael, or humanity. Okay, what, what do you say, guys? Yes, people are, if they're busy, they're happy. If they're just waiting, they are profoundly unhappy. So I actually think this would be a very clever takana. Right, if you just, because someone could tell me, why don't you just make a takana that you have to wait for the guy who's still in the Shemun Esrei? Right, that guy will soon be the least popular guy in Shul. Okay, but if you make a takana that we say something else, okay, what can we do? We say this thing. So I, I actually think that works very well. I think it was a good move of Chazal's part to go with the delaying tactic. Okay, everybody good? Okay, great. Let us go to the Ritva. We're still looking for a little more help here because we don't have an answer yet for Yom Tov. So the Ritva says, Rabbanu titikun mishum sakana, pirish mishum sakana, mazikim shabbat kasishalam besadot, v'ilu b'chol lo'im tasim shamarvi, v'od, t'bishabat ikah chashash mazikim t'fei, k'ti'ita perak arvi p'sachim. No reason, this is for you, and this works much better for you. Okay, what's the claim now? The second claim of the Ritva, guys? Now, that probably works better if we're talking about Demons, right? Because if it's just human mugger, it's not so clear, like, why they have a different pattern for, for Friday night. Okay, but there is a Gemara in Pesachim, guys. Remember the Gemara we did in Ishtun Jerusalem about Zugot? Man, not doing things in pairs? So there's a whole series of Gemaras in Pesachim about what seems to be about demonic forces. And one of them says that they're most dangerous on when Yom Ravi and Lel Shabbat. Okay, so maybe that somehow there is a greater danger on Friday night. Obviously, if you accept that, that would solve the problem. Michael. Uh, that's interesting. Like, maybe you could work it out if you wanted to rationalize the Gemara. Maybe you could have a... I even tell you a funny story, though I can't really figure out why this is. You know, our oldest son is in intelligence. He works in computers. But all these intelligence guys, once a year, they send him to some hole in the wall to do Shemirah. I guess this should be part of that universe also. So recently, our, our son Zechariah was sent to a yeshuv called Avigail, which is like in south of Hebron. He was there on a hilltop for like a week doing Shemirah. So I went to visit him. It was really fun. But um, I will say one funny thing. For some reason, they were told that the local Palestinians come in to steal cars on Saturday nights. Now, it's a little bit funny, like, why would it be Dafka on Saturday nights? Like, first of all, you'd think if you're a thief, you wouldn't, like, schedule it so obviously, right? So that's why I can't really figure that out. It's way I'd love to know. But they actually told them, be more vigilant on Motzei Shabbat. For somehow, like, that would be, like, really careful. Which, right after that, they could kind of relax in the Shemirah. So that was a little odd. But maybe there is such a thing. Maybe sometimes certain nights are more, uh, are more dangerous for whatever reason than other nights. Yeah, David. Uh, maybe, all right, maybe you can work it out. Yeah. Um, so it, it, it's just sort of, if we're taking the drug, she doesn't, it's just sort of a, uh, so something that we're doing, like, I have a hashash of, like, where it's, like, it's really practical, like, all along the basis for it. Why would we actually make it into a drama? Because this would be a drama shame of Okay, excellent question. Okay, so let's see. Okay, he wants to say, why don't we do a delaying tactic, but don't create a bracha. 
Creating a bracha seems like a more radical move. Right? Because we actually make a bracha. Now, it's a little bit tricky, though, because... You know what? Let, let's skip ahead for a second. I'm going to go out of order just because Josh Milstein has such a good question. Ah, uh, Josh, you're the man. Okay, everyone skip to... Where's the Shulchan Aruch? To, to source seven. First source on the second side. Okay? And uh, we're all going to understand what we do that we never understood before. The Omer Shliach Tzibor Bracha Achat Me'en Sheva what does this Rav Yosekar seem to say? He seemed to envision a world different than our world. In his world, what does he envision? Because well, what do we do in Shul, guys? Everybody sings together. Maganova, what does he envision? No, only the Chazan says it. Right, but it makes sense. If it's a delaying tactic, we don't need everybody to say it. Just let the Chazan say it. Look what he says now. Haga, and the Ramah says, Let's say the Yachid wants to say it. Yachol Omra, but look at this, guys. Below Pticha or below Chatima. What's the Pticha and the Chatima? The beginning of the bracha, the end of the bracha. Now, isn't that our practice, guys? Notice, right? The Chazan starts, we sing Maganavo, then we stop, and then the Chazan continues with Elokeinu. But who actually says the bracha? Only the Chazan. So, Josh, it's not exactly your point, but it's related to your point. It sounds like since the Yachid really is not meant to be saying it, there's no justification for our. The Yachid saying the bracha. Haven't got that? So now you all understand what we do. Really, it was meant to be a chazan recital. Since we went to a chazan recital, for whatever reason, the minute developed, maybe it's even a response to Rafael's point. Right? Maybe like everyone was bored if they were just sitting there, but if they sang along, they were happy. And therefore, okay, everyone started singing along, but we didn't want them to sing the bracha because really they're not meant to say it to begin with. In fact, I think everything makes sense this way. Let's go back for one second. Josh Milstein, way to go. Go back to source six for a second. Okay, because this is something I've always been asked, and I have to thank you guys. I've given the wrong answer my whole life till now. But now I'm going to give the right answer finally. Look at the Agome Manyo. This is someone who wrote notes on the Rambam's Mishnah Torah. Source six. Again, the same idea. It's for the Chaza, not for individuals. Sheim Hayalo Lomar. Okay, guys, if you get this, it'll make me very happy. Imkain lo ilu chachamim betakanatam klum. Can anyone tell me his argument? What's lo ilu chachamim betakanatam klum? If he says it, chazal's takana, lo ilu doesn't benefit, does not help in the slightest. What's his argument, guys? Josh Hall. Exactly. Right, think about it. Oh, I have a good idea. Let's have the guys behind. How will we have him catch up? We'll have everybody say something else. Well, having everybody say something else does not help him catch up. Arguably, if he's a slow dominator, it just makes it worse. Okay, so I've been asked this many times, and I admit, I've given the wrong answer my whole life. My whole life, I always said, okay, it's true that everybody's meant to say Magen Avot, but given the fact that everybody's going to leave Shul, we expect this guy who did the long Amidah to skip Magen Avot and walk home with everybody else. That's what I always thought. But now I realize what the right answer is, guys. What's the right answer? The original Takana Magen Avot was not for Yachit to say it. So it works, that makes so much, so much sense. Right, he's a little bit behind. We don't want him to walk home alone. We have the Chazan do this recital of Magadavo. By that time, he finishes Amidah and he can walk home with everybody else. So I think it's an interesting example of again, how Minhagim change over time, and I think for good reason. I guess everybody liked it and they wanted to be involved. So what happened at some point, apparently? The Tzibur decided we would like to sing along. So we're going to sing along. But the reality is it was never meant to be for the Yechidim. Okay, we got it? So now we have one take on Magin Avot. Very good take. It is for danger purposes, so no one has to walk home alone. 
It makes sense now that the Takana was originally only for the Shleach Tzibor, and then the Yachid could catch up. Apparently, at some point, at least in Ashkenazi lands, right, Yechidim wanted to sing along. So what does the Ramah say? Sure, sing along, but don't say the bracha, because the bracha was really only for the Chazan. So Josh, I realize I didn't really answer your question, but at least it's manifest there with Yechidim. Just one quick question for the Sephardim in the room. Again, guys, I always apologize. I don't always check the Sephardi practice. In Sephardi shuls, does the Chaz, is it only the Chazan who says it? Uh, what, what, Spanish, Portuguese, what do you guys do? You check it out? Joshua? Oh, so it makes sense, guys. What did we just say? Only the Ramah talked about the Yachid saying it. Right? Yosef Kair said, just the Chazan. So it makes sense. They still keep that minog, which is really the original custom of Bracha Achat, Mein Shema. Okay, everybody good? Before we move on to the next thing? Okay, Joe, you'll check, check, tell us a second. Spanish, Portuguese, what does it say? Just the Chazan. Okay, there you go. Okay, let us go to perhaps... Actually, w- one more thing here. Okay, let's go back to the Ritva. Before we get to the... To this, we're going to see guys two more themes what arguably what Bracha Acham Hinchev is. Let's go back to the Ritva. So you might say, why do we do it today? So on the third line he says, nowadays, the Sakana, we don't have that danger anymore. We just keep it up. Right now, guys, this is a much larger topic. When do we keep doing something when the rationale doesn't apply? All I'll say is sometimes we do and sometimes we don't. Okay, we'll talk about it some other time. But he would say this example, we decided to keep it on. Right? Once we made the Takana, we do it even when there is no Sakana. But now, one last thing. Uh, two lines in the bottom there. Ubi Yom Tov Shel Pesach Shecholiot B'Shabbat. Ah, we have a new case now. What do we say so far? We do do it Friday night, we don't do it Yom Tov night. What happens when Yom Tov and Friday night overlap, according to the Gemara? Do we insert it or we don't insert it? We don't insert Yom Tov. But what about when Pesach and, and uh, Shabbat overlap? Notice the difference now, is it? Not that we don't insert Yom Tov, but we drop Magin Avot altogether. Why is that? We have this famous theme that somehow we should feel more protected, more secure on Pesach night. Lil Shimrim is a couple of halachic implications. If you guys ever give a share on this, you can now add this to the list. Right, it might affect Kriya Chmalamita. Apparently, also, we don't feel a need for Mogadavot. Somehow, we should indicate that we feel more secure on Pesach night. So, if it's all about danger, we could drop it on Pesach night. Joey? Do you Look, I think you'd have to say that since this was just a chashash, we feel like we could relax it a little bit. Like, if we really thought there was like a 95% chance of being mugged, then we probably would not say this. But again, it was a chashash. You know, we could be a little bit more secure in the balance of factors on Pesach night. Yeah, who else said end? We're good? Avi, you want to say something? Is he saying that back, back then they wouldn't do a Pesach night, or just nowadays? No, back then. Okay. Okay, now, I'm debating if I should go in order, out of order for a second. Uh, I guess we'll go in, in order. We'll, go, we'll stay in order. Okay, let us see perhaps a second theme. Actually, no, before we get to the second theme, one more idea about Yom Tov. Because we still have the question, why don't we do it on Yom Tov? Okay, so go to the Sfas Emes. Let's see what we have here. So Zemes says, uh, at the end of the third line, okay, of course, everyone knows the Sfas Emes was the Ger Rebbe. The Yesh Lomar, the Davka B'Shabbat, the Magdim in the Kabbalat HaShabbat, Hayerov HaTzibur Maharan Lavo, Umiyut Shem Achrim, V'Shab Yesh Chashat Sakana, Avu Biyom Tov Ein Magdim in Lavo. What does he want to claim, guys? Again, very practical difference. What, what we often do on Shabbos? We often make it early. Like you bring Shabbos in early. 
But if you bring Shabbos in early, then it's more likely that someone in the community is going to show up late. But on Yom Tov, we don't tend to do that. Now, it's interesting because in theory, you could be Makabal Yom Tov early also, although there's certain times where we really, two nights a year where you really can't. And you know why we don't do it on Shavuos night? This is kind of a funny idea. Yes? Very good. There's an idea that for the spirit of Omer to achieve Tzmimot, somehow you shouldn't accept Shavuos early. It's kind of interesting why that is. But we, 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 so therefore, luckily, we don't take on Shavuos early. And I think Pesach night would be tricky also. Who could tell me why it might be tricky on Pesach night also? Ah, very good. Because it says, Be'erev tochlu matzot, arguably all the, all the dinim of matzah, sorry, all the dinim of Pesach have to be filled dafka belayla. So I'll tell you, good lum to guys. If we accept Shabbos early, we make it Shabbos, but we do not make it. What does not happen? It's not night. So I might accept Pesach early. It is Pesach. What's the problem? It is Pesach in the daytime. Okay? Everyone got it? In fact, I'll even tell you like a wacky question one of my Rabbi and Gush once said. Okay, there was a very bright fellow Rabbi Danny Wolf, who was teaching in Gush at the time. So he told us this idea that when I'm a Kabbal early, I make it the day, but not night. So he asked the following question You only take Arbaminim on Sukkot in the daytime. So he asked the question if I'm a Kabbal Sukkot early, so what happens now? It's Sukkot, but it's still daytime. Maybe I should take Arbaminim. So that was a pretty cute question. Obviously, the answer is no, but I think he was just being clever. Okay, but uh, in any case, Okay, so we now, in terms of Yom Tov night, maybe just practically when the Makabah Shabbos early created more danger problems than on Yom Tov. So, so far, everything's been very practical, right? It's about danger, and for whatever reason, the danger was less of a fear on a Tuesday night or on Yom Tov night. David? Why would we still fear danger if you're Shabbos early? No, again, maybe first of all, it might be dangerous to walk home in certain neighborhoods even in the light. Second of all, it could be you start early, but by the time you finish, Marv, it got a little later. Depends how early they were in Kabul. Depends. It's true. I don't know what the reality is. Okay, guys. Let's move on, though, as I keep promising, that there's a totally different theme lurking. Let us go to the Yushalmi in Source 11. Okay, every once in a while, I think I should learn much more Yushalmi, because Yushalmi often has a different perspective, and we see one right here. Okay, you guys can talk to, talk to Josh Hall. He'll tell you the whole theory that now that we're back in Israel, we should only learn Yushalmi. I just made that up. He didn't, he didn't do that. Okay, here we go. Let's go. Source 11. Okay, you're going to see this is going to be a game changer. I'm Rav Yossi Barra. If there's no wine in the community, Oh, JJ, that's it. The usual verb is over, not your or Yeah. The Omer We have a total game changer here, guys. How does the Ushalmi envision the purpose of Bracha Achat Main Sheva? Right? Isn't it a form of Kiddush? Right? Because again, what's the claim? The minog was to make Kiddush and Shul Friday night. Some Shul still do it. Normally, you would do that over a cup of wine. But what if you don't have wine? So then we say, oh, you know what? If you don't have wine, this is the stand-in Kiddush. This forms a Kiddush. So now we have a totally different shot. This is not, and Yushami seems to know nothing about Sakana. It seems to think that Brach Achamein Sheba was rooted in being a form of Kiddush. So I admit, guys, that does not seem to be the mainstream position. Like usual, our tradition pretty much follows the Bavli. But let's plug in, if the Ushami's right, let's plug in all our questions. Okay, so one question might be, well, what question falls away immediately? Why don't we do it on weeknights, right? Weeknights is already a no-brainer. So that's already an advantage. But we're still left with the question, why don't we do it on, on Yom Tov? Okay, so let's go to source 12. Okay, now just one brief introduction, because uh, 
don't know if I've talked about him yet, but everybody should really know the history of Ravad Yosef. Ravad Yosef is a very, very important posek, and not just an important posek, an important person in the history of the state of Israel, Bechlal. Let me just explain for one second, guys. Okay, as I always tell you guys, in every culture, minorities feel that their, their culture is not being respected, and usually because they're right, their culture is not being respected. Okay, so in the beginning of the state of Israel, Spartan felt very much, oh, you Ashkenazim have the, uh, all the power, and you don't really respect our Sparty culture. What's interesting, guys, is that that crossed denominational boundaries. It means that was true both in the secular community, I think about all the early politicians, right? They're all from like Poland and Russia, but they're not Spartan, okay? And it was true in the religious community also. What was the sense? Oh, that the Ashkenazi yeshiva guys kind of looked down on Spartan. Like, we've got all the Torah, you guys just, you know, uh, do your Sparty thing. Okay, so Ravad Yosef was a very important person because I think on both levels, he changed things in the state of Israel. First of all, no one could deny that he was a massive Talmud Chacham. So I think that brought some respect to the Sparty world of Torah. So in that sense, Ravadi was very important. And some of you may know, he also started a political party. Okay, which party did he start? Shas. And at that point, that was when like Spartan, as it were, exercised their political clout. And there were several elections where they kind of determined who was going to be in government. Because often in Israel, you had like a split between labor good, So the third biggest party would be incredibly influential in who formed the government. Okay, so Ravadi, to some degree, put Spartan on the map both in the rabbinic world and the political world. So that is really a pretty impressive achievement. Okay, it's no accident that he's a very heroic figure in the Sephardi world. I didn't give you a good proof, guys. In the, I, don't remember, I don't remember what year he passed away. Joshua, what year Ravadi passed away? Okay, but uh, in the current next, this election's coming up, guys, whose face is going to appear on the Shas posters? Ravadia, meaning a, someone who's deceased for several years is going to be a more effective symbol than any politician or rabbi who's actually alive today. So I think that will show you the power of Ravadia Yosef. One last point, guys, this is quite fascinating. When Ravadia died, his funeral was in Yushalayim. We took the whole yeshiva. And if I remember correctly, more than 600,000 people attended. Okay, which is really an amazing statistic. If you take, subtract the Israeli Arabs from the country, that basically means one out of 10, every 10 Israelis was there. Okay, which is pretty, imagine in America if one out of every 10 Americans came to a funeral. Right, that is really an incredible number. So that, again, all this shows you the impact and significance of Ravad Yosef. Okay, so let's now go to some Chuvah of Rav Avadia. Okay, so Ravadia does a few very clever things in this Chuvah. Let's go to source 12. Okay, Yabi Omer is the most famous Chuvah of Rav Avadia. All right, guys, everyone should get this. What must have been the Ragachavar's first name? Yes, because you only call your Sefer Tzafnat Paneach if your name is Yosef. Okay, very good. So again, quite you show me, it's not Sakana, it's Kiddush. This is claim? The Yushalmi would agree with this idea. What's the idea? It's not for Shabbos overlapping with Pesach. According to the Bavli, why not? Well, it's about Sakana, but Pesach is. Well, Shimurim says the Rabbi guess what? You Shami would agree. If we're doing it for Kiddush, what's the one night a year we're confident that everybody in Amisol is going to make Kiddush? Pesach. Think about how many secular Jews have a Seder, and the Seder begins with Kiddush. So when it comes to Pesach night, we're really not nervous that anybody needs to hear Kiddush. 
And therefore, according to the Rakat Shavar, the Bavni Sham would agree with this point. Okay, what about Yom Tafnait? Let's go to source 13. Ravadi is going to continue. In source 13, it says Ravadiya. Now I'm going to explain why it's Shabbos and not Yom Tov. Surely on Yom Tov, they went to the field to Davin as well. So we often point out, guys, that Friday night Kiddush is the right, uh, and Shabbos day Kiddush is the Rabbanan. But again, what's it derived from? Zacharit Yom HaShabbat. Look out, Joe. So I don't know if you ever thought about this, but it's not obvious that I should then apply it from Shabbos to Yom Tov. So the claim is on Yom Tov, even the night Kiddush is Drabbanan. So Kiddush is not as significant. And therefore, we could drop Kiddush on Friday night on Yom Tov. So note, uh, on, on Yom Tov night. So notice what just happened here, guys. We now have, interesting enough, the Baal Yishami lining up on Psaq, but for totally different reasons. Okay, let's just stop right now before we get to the third theme. For the Bavli, it's a delaying tactic for danger, not during the week, because apparently they didn't go to shoulder in the week, and not on Yom Tov night for one of several reasons, maybe according to the Svasemis, because everyone came at the same time on Yom Tov. Okay, that's the Bavli. What would the Yishami say? Nothing to do with Sakana, it's a form of Kiddush. Why don't we do it on Pesach night? Because everyone's going to make Kiddush at home anyway. And why don't we do it on weekdays? Well, that's obvious. Why don't we do it on Yom Tov? Well, maybe because Kiddush is Durban, it's not as crucial. Kavi. I believe that is the standard assumption. Okay, well, then you have to see like what halachic implications has, right? But uh, I believe this. Yeah, Joey. If we're saying that you don't need a post for Kiddush on Friday night, then everyone has to. Uh, on a derisive level. On a derisive level, you need a post for Kiddush. Okay, that, that is an interesting question, which came up in our halakha share, but I'm going to leave it aside for now. Yeah? Um, isn't the reason why like, we started saying Kiddush is on Friday night because people are eating in the... Oh, food? great question. So, Avi Linzer, guys, I'm telling you, he's a future Talmud Chacham of Israel. Look at the last two lines of Ravadi. Ravadi asks exactly Avi's question. Ulam yesh lidchot, you could push this off. Shari bisman ha-Talmud. Hayum u-kachem bina knesset l'hotzi ha-ta-orchem. Ba'avli Kiddush mokum suda. So he wants to say that really on Yom Tov, in the old days, it would have accomplished something. Because at least everybody will be, because again, you could say in Yom Tov now it really doesn't accomplish anything, right, if we did it today. Because you're chayv durabanan for Kiddush, and durabanan has to be makom suda. So it's accomplishing nothing. But at the time of Gemara, when people actually ate in Shoal, then even Kiddush, well, I mean, I'm glossing over because I'm going to run out of time. Very briefly, it depends which of the two arguments you go with. Do I say that Yom Tov is less serious because the rabbinic full stop? Or do I say on Yom Tov I'm not accomplishing anything because on a rabbinic level I also need Makam Suda? Do you understand that there's these two arguments? So your kasha is only a kasha on the second argument, not on. Do you understand? Okay, great. If no one is, guys, if you didn't understand, ask Avi Lindsay afterward. Yeah, Joshua. Um, on the planet of we like I was thinking about that parallel. Okay? That better lighting and show. Okay, except for one thing. Joshua, as a pal, I was thinking about this morning I was driving in. Okay, because you might say we're doing a Kiddush not to be Fiyotze, just to have some public form of Kiddush. Now, you can tell me we would never do that, but isn't Hanukkah lighting a great example? What do we do? We light in Shul, even though in theory everybody's also lighting at home. 
So it sounds like on Hanukkah, we'd like this public performance beyond everybody's individual performance. So that might be a very interesting parallel, Josh Hall. Can anyone tell me why Hanukkah might be different, though? What factor you have in Hanukkah that might make it different? Uh, excellent. Maybe you'll say, when do we do that? When we're trying to achieve Persume Nisa. But arguably, Kiddush Friday night doesn't have a Persume Nisa theme. So even though I like Josh Hall's parallel very much, it's not obvious you should make the parallel. That there'll be this collective performance, but it is a very nice idea, Josh. Yeah. You meant specifically, ah, uh, uh, interesting. Um, I understand. Uh, I'll think about it. I'll think about it, Josh. Interesting. I, I like my idea better, though. I'm just kidding. Okay. That's very interesting, Josh. Okay, everybody good? Okay, let's get to a third theme, and then we'll end, to, end with something really fun about how much role Kabbalah should have in Psakalach. Okay, but before we get there... There's one more theme I'd like to throw in here, guys. So if you could skip to... Oh, uh, before we get to the third theme, actually... Oh, we'll do the third theme first. Look at the tour, guys. I think in the tour we get a third theme. Let's see the tour. Source 10. Kata Rav Amram, Ta'ab lo iskir shoshabat barvit. Let's say, it's what often happens, guys. This is the classic move, right? It's Friday night, but you're just functioning on muscle memory. What do you end up doing? You start the chol amidah. We've all done that, right? When do you tend to notice? When you get to slach lanu. And then you have to pretend you were just like brushing off your shirt or something, right? It's a classic move. We all do that, right? That is the move. Okay? So, but what if you made it through the entire Amidah like that? Okay, so what do you, you did Amidah, you didn't mention Shabbat. Says the tour, Machzirinoto. So according to Rav Amram, it makes sense. Crucial for the Amidah Shabbat is you have to mention Shabbat. But here comes something really fascinating, guys. Rav Moshe Gon Katav, Yachid Sheta'av, Lo Iskir Atakidash Tabel Shabbat, this is great. I've been looking at this for a while. According to this sheet in the Gonim, what is the third possible theme of Mugging Avot? It could be kind of a Chazar and Hashatz, as it were, right? It's like a abridged version of Chazar and Hashatz. So maybe it functions as a Chazar and Hashatz. What do we say in morning davening? If you're someone who doesn't know how to pray, how are you, you would say? Listen to the Chazan. So apparently Ramosha Gon applied that to now, it makes a lot of sense. It, after all, that's what it is. It's simply a condensed version of the Amidah. So maybe it could function as a Chazar Shatz. The tour himself is not happy. So if you skip down, he says, Here's the key line, guys. What does the tour think? A, a condensed thing is not the real thing. Right? If it's a bracha sheva, it is not a sheva brachot, as it were, and therefore it doesn't work, guys. So I'm going to make a juxtaposition, not a juxtaposition, an application of this that is totally irrelevant, just to give you guys a hard time a little bit. What does this mean, guys? The condensed version is not the real thing. So if you just read the spark notes of Hamlet, it's not Hamlet, guys. You're not Yotze. Right? That's what emerges from this story. You, gotta, you can't do the bracha achat main sheva. You got to read the real thing. Okay, so here, when I just to some point, take questions, guys. I'll get to the last part. I think bracha, bracha main sheva has now really exploded. It has three separate themes. For the Bavli, its main theme is delaying tactic for Sakana. For the Ushalmi, it's a form of Kiddush. According to the Gonim, it could also service as a Chazar Neshatz, with some debating whether it really can or not. Yes? Sage. Um, well, doesn't that mean that the Bavli is 
Right, so to be fair, I'm sorry to interrupt you, I think what the Godin would say is that that's not the reason for it, but once it's there, right, wouldn't that right, Sage, you're right? Because otherwise you have a good question, well, why is Chazar Shatz only on Friday night? So I, I, I think it's pretty clear that the reason is either Sakana, Kiddush, whatever you want to say, but once it's there, it could take on another dimension. It could take on the dimension of Chazar Shatz. Yeah, Jonathan. Wait, defend the tour himself or the or the golem? Because uh, the golem think it works, tour thinks it doesn't work. Right, no, the tour. Yeah, let's hear. We have times when we have you know changes within the Amida itself, when we have a real Khazarza Shah, and yet if you mess up those changes, you have to go back and repeat from Ezra. So it's not like you're it's take like you can take what he's saying even further and say that when you do have a real Khazarza Shah, you would still have to repeat. So Okay, interesting, interesting point. Yeah, I mean, you're in favor of the going. More, more problem with the tour. Um, the only thing that you really have to make up for is Mikadesh Hashabas, and that is the bracha that you're making in Mandrellas. Like the the psicha and the psicha is or the Hashabas. So it seems like like you don't need the first three and the last three. You, you only need the Shabbos, which is okay. I, I just I'm running out of time, so I'm not going to address the point. Guys, let me just sneak in the last thing because this is kind of entertaining. Okay, let us go to the last page. Because everyone, who's, if you've been asleep, wake up now. For so 14 and 15. Okay, now there was one brief last person to introduce, guys. There was a Yemenite scholar named Rav Shalom Sharabi in the 1700s. He moved from Yemen to Israel. He was both a halachist and a Kabbalist. He wrote a sefer called Nahar Shalom. And he actually, you might have heard, there was a yeshiva from the Kubalim called Beit El, yeshiva Beit El. He became the yeshiva of that yeshiva in Yerushalayim. Okay, now he gets quoted here. And then, what? It's right here, right? Okay, in fact, you can go visit it afterward, Rav Shalom Sharabi's yeshiva. So it says in 14, the Shuv Hevi Divya Rava Go and Hamakubal Marav Shalom Sharabi, the Sefer Nahar Shalom, Shakata Pesach Shachal Beshabbat, Tsarech Lomar Bracha Main Sheva, Kishar Yom Tov Shachal Beshabbat. Uh oh, what do we have for the first time? Till now he's saying both the Bavli and Yushalmi agree. No saying it when Pesach and Shabbos overlap. For whatever reason, if Shalom Sharabi thought, you do say it. Now it's interesting because with my introduction, you might have thought he said it based on. Kabbalistic reasons, but it's actually not true. Let's keep reading. So Shom Shrabi here was really wearing his halacha hat, not his Kabbalah hat. What does he say? What do I see in the Gemara Shabbat Chavdalad? It talks about Yom Tov and Shabbos and does not say that any Yom Tov is different. It sounds like we're talking about all days of... Yom Tov, I means true, we saw all kinds of Rishonim that make distinctions, but that wasn't in the Gemara. So if Shrabi says, I look at the Gemara, I don't see that Pesach is different than any other day. Okay, we're good so far, guys? But now comes the most exciting part. Okay, but I think something very interesting happened, guys. Since Rishom Shrabi was such a noted Kabbalist, so the question came up, should Kabbalah win the day in halachic debates? Now, I find it a little bit funny because his argument has nothing to do with Kabbalah. It's almost like a classic Talmudic argument. Right? That Chiluk is just... Not there. But let's look at source 15. We'll call it a day here, guys. This is really great. Well, everyone's going to think it's great, except for maybe Noah Rison. We'll see. What should we do if Psa'a seems to be A, and the Mekubalim think we should do B? Uh, very exciting. See, guys, everyone's awake now, except for David Bentor. What does the Chidah say? 
Now, guys, there's a whole question about brachot that don't appear in the Talmud. Can we have any brachot that are post-Talmudic? So, is never mentioned in the Gemara. So, it's a huge debate. Should we say such a bracha if it's not mentioned in the Gemara? So, let's see what the Chidah says. Why the Minog come to say it? Even though it's post-Talmudic? Because Dari was into it. This is amazing, guys. Even though we accept, who's Maran for Avadia? Who's Maran? Rav Yosef Cairo. And he thinks you shouldn't say it. What's the claim of those who love Kabbalah? Had Rav Yosef Cairo seen Dari's Psak, he would change his mind. Okay, guys, this is, this is the pro Kabbalah part of the year. Okay, what is the Chidah want to claim? We should say it. Why should we say this bracha? Because Nari was into it. What about the fact that Shulchan Aruch was not into it? That's only because? Okay, now let's see what Ravadya thinks of that. V'anochi ba'anyi lo zachiti lavin minale la'arabanim hanizkim l'el umdunazu b'dat maran. How do these rabbis know that that's true about Yosef Karo? She'ilu ha'eroi l'divri rabbeinu hari ha'ya posen kein. V'arim kol ha'kavod l'arbeinu harizal ateret barosh kol adam anan kaimalan Lo bashamayim he. So what does what does Ravadi say, guys? That's not the way Psak works, right? Psak halacha gemara has its own canons of interpretation and laws, and it is not supposed to be decided based on mystical revelations. Okay, so it doesn't matter that Yari thoughto. You cannot say by definition that Yosukai would have changed his mind. Halacha is halacha. Okay, now he goes through a little argument which I'm not going to do because I'm running out of time. Uh, just two more exciting points, guys. Skip down to line, it says, Butter Ruba. See where it is? Five lines from the end? The Kosh game, the Fimash Kabisiva, Igor Satania, Ali Joshua, this is just for you, this line. Beshem Agra, Sheenu Mamin, the Kabbalah, Sari Baklashi, Kula, Mipeliozal, Rak Maat, Mizarn Pilio, Vashar, Mechachmatohagdola. I mean, the Gwak claims you do not have to say that the Ari got everything as a divine revelation. Maybe what are some of his theories? Human wisdom, that's good. We're a fan of human wisdom. Not everything in the Ari necessarily is some tradition from Sinai. So on the one hand, I think that's a good thing. But that also means, when you hear that the Ari has a position, there's no reason to say it ends the game. It ends the conversation. So notice here, even though the Chidah was very interesting, we have to follow the Ari, Ravadya says that's not the way halachic tradition works. And we don't assume that everything in the Ari is straight from Sinai and can't be argued with. Okay, now for the last paragraph. Okay. Now, I think you guys, this just, I put this in, I mean, guys, just for a little bit of uh, entertainment. Okay, but what about the fact that, what do we do today, guys, in our shoals? The brach of anotem le'avkoch? We say it. What does it sound like? Who won? Dari won. Wait, what happened? Just look at Rabbi you guys. Ivra she'ach shabnagu ha'kol levarich brek anotem le'avkoch. I admit it. Umikom ha'kom, e'nu muchrach lomar she'nagu kenapitar ha'ri davka. That doesn't prove that. It was because Kabbalah wins. What's my proof that it's not? Yeah, I see you guys are entertained, no? What's my proof that the Psaks not based on Kabbalah? Even our brethren, the Ashkenazim, do it. Okay, AFLP, if it wasn't clear to you, even though Spartan are much more into the Ari and Kabbalah than, Ashken- uh, than Ashkenazim, Ashkenazim also make the bracha hanotin le'evkoth. Apparently, the Psak is not based on the Ari. Okay, Sage Friedman. Uh, two things. Okay, so if it wasn't 1251, we would discuss it, but maybe there are ways to just, if you look at the whole truth, Ravadi does give two reasons. 
Okay, and maybe there are ways to justify a post Talmudic bracha, not just based on Kabbalah. Oh, for Magen Avot? Yeah. Oh, okay, so I think the answer is, since Magen Avot is a, not really a ritual need, it's just Takana, we had this idea that where it was Metukan, it was Metukan, but don't extend it. So it had, very, it had a very limited province. It was only in a very limited section established, and we never extended it to anything else. Yeah, Dan. Um, so is the Moran, um, the Rosh of Kara, a rationalist? Is the Rambam? No, so that's quite interesting. Rosh Kara obviously was a Kabbalist. But maybe he had his Kabbalah hat and his halacha hat. And uh, you have to know what you're doing at any given moment in your uh, Torah learning. Yeah? I think, I think the Rosh brings down to say uh, um, 10. Okay, good. No, as I said to say, there are the reasons to do it. I mean, Ravani's not just um, throwing it out there. You could, you could justify not based on Neri. All right, guys, everybody have a great job. Shrey, oh shrey.